Welcome to One More Dig, Metal Detecting Stories. I'm Dave Spannenberg. I just wanted to start a forum where I could explain to people my love of metal detecting and hope that uh, folks listen and share the same sentiment. Um, in this podcast, I plan to share stories of my finds of the types of equipment I've used over the years, including detectors, diggers, pinpointers, um, headphones, and then recommendations on how to, you know, types of digging and what machines I think are the best for different situations and headphones and wireless versus wired and waterproof versus not waterproof and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not an authority. I've been doing this for 38 years and I learn every day. Um, but I just, I find it helpful listening to other people's accounts of how they approach the hobby and how they hunt and where they hunt and strategies on gaining permission and what kinds of machines um, they use and why. And, and so I just thought I'd sit down and uh, kind of lay out how I look at things and how I go about researching and how I decide where I'm going any given day. And um, I have a lot of permissions that I can call on. So um, depending on the day and the conditions and what I feel like, um, you know, I decide where I'm going to go that day. I can tell you, I live in New Hampshire and my favorite hunting is, well, I love colonial America and colonial history. And my favorite hunting is colonial houses, colonial homes. Um, obviously something where you have to get implicit um, permission to dig someone's lawn. But I find that there are so many varied artifacts from over 200 some odd years of people living there and playing there and just going through life, different decades, different um, values, different wealth, different, um, you know, so you can find anything from colonial coppers all the way up to silver rosies. Um, you know, people lose rings. I have a colonial home that I go to where I found, I haven't found a gold ring, but I found a couple of silver rings um, dated back to probably the Victorian era. So the house had been established before those were lost. But, you know, you find Indian pennies. And, and so colonial homes are, for me, probably where it's at. Um, they're also the hardest because, like I said, you have to find someone who will give you permission to dig their lawn. But like most of you, um, I, you know, I show my confidence to them that I can replace holes, replace plugs and not, not leave messes. And um, sometimes I actually do a sample plug so that they can see what I'm, what I'm talking about. And occasionally I'll get a yes, but I want all the stuff and, you know, just for the sake of being able to dig up history, 
I generally say okay, and I'll I'll detect there um, one time and share everything. But more often than that, if I don't hear a yes, and they're on the on the fence about the proposition, I'll suggest uh, maybe we split. Maybe you can have all the artifacts, whether it be you know musket balls or. 18th century buckles or, or uh, you know, rings or whatever, and I'll keep the coins. I'm a, I love coins. Um, I love all coins. I'd rather find a seated liberty half dollar than find a diamond ring, and I know that doesn't make sense probably to half of you, probably more than that, but um, I've just always, since I was a kid, um, my dad bought me my first detector when I was 12 in 1982, and I used a, it was a White's Beachcomber, and he bought it at Radio Shack, and I think, I don't even know if I knew it was made by White's, maybe from later research, but it was one of those where White's made it and slapped a Radio Shack sticker on it, but, uh, I mean, I was 12. My dad was, I think he used a 6,000 D, 6,000 Series 2, one, one of those machines, one of the, like, more higher-end whites machines of the early 80s. And, and he found a lot of stuff, including a lot of coins, which I was enamored with. And... uh so he bought me that machine and started everywhere he went. He brought me and we went to parks and, um, you know, places where towns would have their gatherings a hundred years ago, um, fairgrounds, those types of things. And so it was 1982 and it was, you know, only 18 years out of silver from 1964. So there was a lot of silver that was still in the ground. So I was, I used to love going. I'd find, he'd find 20 silver coins and I'd find five or three. And I thought it, I thought I was a superstar. So that's when I started that machine. I found my first gold ring with that machine. It was just a one button on off, no discrimination. Um, it was a strange design where you, you held it in one hand, but it had this big clunky handle um, that went up and like this, I, I can't remember if it had a meter on, like this weird meter that just showed, yeah, you went over metal. Um, but for a kid, that was plenty and it was awesome. And so from there on, I've, uh, I've always metal detected and I've always owned a metal detector. Um, even in college, I brought, um, I had a Wilson coin and relic that I'd use hunting in, in places, um, colonial fields and, and things. And I brought that to college with me. My friends are like, what is that? That's weird for a kid to bring to college. And I'm like, yeah, well, it probably is, but I'm going to go out and find some stuff. And I remember one time in particular... I don't know where everybody was. Um, I was a senior, I think. 
and I went to a cemetery um, about a block away, and I dug a hole, and there were it was three V nickels, and I didn't go a lot during college because of just busy with things. I played baseball, and um, but it was just funny. I went out there with my coin and relic. Um, on a day where I didn't have classes, I suppose, and, and found three V nickels, which I love V nickels. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And then I got out of college and I got, a what did I get? A Fisher CZ six. And I don't know if any of you know of that machine, but for the time that thing was pretty awesome. And it had amazing discrimination and control and sensitivity and tone and and uh, an indicator, a needle or a needle, um, yeah, needle indicator, um, you know, on what the target, what the target might be, and it was very accurate. And I found a fair amount of stuff with that. We'll get back to coins. I found a seventeen, eighteen British halfpenny. Um, in upstate New York with that with that metal detector and uh, yeah I used that for a while I think I think I sold that to a friend and he actually still has it and I think he said he uses it occasionally but that's an old machine at this point for sure um, and then I moved on I moved to uh, I moved to New England to New Hampshire which is a lot like upstate New York, um, as far as colonial history. And I had a mine lab musketeer and it didn't have a meter on it. And that was very foreign to me. And I actually didn't like it very much. Um, I didn't understand actually how I wasn't educated on how good of a metal detector it was. Cause I was so used to at that point having a meter um, to rely on. And this machine really was trying to teach, um, teach tones, which I've since learned um, as good as a machine you have, you still have to um, learn to understand and interpret different tones. Oh, I forgot to mention I think I, while I was in college, I also had a Technetics, or my father had a Technetics, actually, and I just used it a few times. And it was very complicated, and there were a lot of buttons, I remember. But I was able to, and it had a meter, which, like I said before, I was too reliant on meters, but um, it was a great machine, and I, I found several colonial coppers um, actually they weren't colonial coppers they were large cents but I found several of them in a location that had been quote unquote cleaned out so that was a pretty a pretty good machine I think they still make I think Tuchnetics is still in operation um, now I can't remember if they were absorbed by another manufacturer but I'm pretty sure that that they're still around. I just mentioned uh, cleaned out, and I think we all know, or at least my theory on cleaned out, is that it's 
never there is a place is never cleaned out and we may think so and we may go back to a place and just you know not find anything but as weather conditions change and ground ground becomes wetter or drier or you know the technology and metal detectors always gets better and you know the ability to find coins on edge becomes um easier and so i i personally think that every generation can go back to a spot that a generation thought was cleaned out and still find something because things change over time i know that they change the other way too i mean things end up uh, getting deeper coins will be deeper now than they were five years ago but i think in general with the technology that comes out um, every year, there's new technology that I think, I just think no place is ever cleaned out. And so I always keep, I always keep every, every place I go on a list just in case I have a little bit of time and just want to run out and, and see, uh, see if a new machine works or, um, you know, like I said, depending on how wet or dry the ground is, the conductivity um, changes, and so I've always, I've always lived by that rule. And there's always more being lost in most in most in most places. I mean, every park still has stuff lost every year, if not every day. It might not be. Um, barber dimes but it it could be rings uh playgrounds you know always could yield some jewelry um kids can go find a couple bucks and quarters maybe i'm not sure if you all wonder why i named the podcast one more dig but my father has always had this saying um when you're out hunting it could be the next dig you got to make one more dig. Now, realistically, one more dig, you would never stop digging for your whole lifetime. But the sentiment is that basically you just don't know. It could, the next dig could be the find of a lifetime. And so we did live by one more dig when I was young, at least sort of. We tended to hunt after school or after baseball games, so that we always ran into uh, ran into dark. So we would one more dig ourselves into getting home late for supper, basically. But I've always loved that uh, saying, "One more dig," and uh, yeah. So I I use that when my kids ask, "When are you? You know, how late are you going to hunt today, Dad?" And I'd be like, "Well." Well, I'm not sure because I'll always be thinking one more dig, and that usually brings me brings me to darkness. So, yeah, that's that's where that comes from. I actually say that to myself when I'm out detecting, and it's if I say I'm going to be home at four, and it's it just hits four, and I I say to myself, "All right, one more dig," and usually. It's something pop tap, pop tap, or a, 
bottle cap or an ox shoe or you know anything but but something but one night this fall it was one more dig and i found an 1851 trime so that was pretty exciting and then about a month after that i was near my car in a farm field and i i said okay one more dig and i found a a barber dime so those are both fun to find and those are kind of my one one more dig examples uh for this year but at some point down the road um once i do a few of these i'll probably hand out an email address um in case anybody's listening um and wants to suggest topics or ask questions or correct anything that that I've said that's incorrect um you know I know I'm not an authority um but I am an enthusiast and uh and so I do my best to kind of keep keep everyone entertained and with as accurate information um as I have but mostly it's just fun to share my experiences and as I tell the kids and they pretend to listen and don't really have much to say back to me so um I just this seems like a forum where I can where I can share and you never know uh one day could lead to having guests it could be uh you never know um so there was one more topic actually quickly and that is water hunting and I don't know uh you know I don't know all of you I don't know any of you but one of the things I've been doing as well since I was a teenager is is water detecting and back in the beginning when metal detecting was you know in its infancy and we my dad bought water machines we'd go to beaches um we'd put our wetsuits on and we'd wear baseball caps so we could stick a sandwich inside it and put it on our head and we'd walk around a beach a public beach for 8 hours and that's like i said back when metal detecting first started and well i know it started a lot before that but it started um before it started getting really popular and boy the the gold jewelry and rings and, and and coins that you'd clean up on going through there was amazing and uh i still water detect not as much as i used to it's not it's not my focus but i have a noctemacro simplex which is waterproof and it has a waterproof uh waterproof headphones and a waterproof waterproof uh pointer if i were hunting in the rain and the pointer actually has an attachment to make it um an underwater metal detector so it's kind of cool but yeah so i'm just starting to get back into into water hunting and i did find one uh 10 carat diamond chip ring this year that had a tourmaline um the center stone was tourmaline so that was exciting it was really beautiful um i was pretty happy to find that 
So at some point I'll do a I'll do a whole spot on water hunting because it is really interesting and it is one thing where there's stuff lost every year and it is one thing where there's streams and rivers and ponds and all over New England all over the country but for me, New England, that no one's ever even thought of metal detecting. And I found that gold ring in this slow-moving river in my hometown in front of somebody's house. It wasn't a beach. It wasn't a public swimming area. So that's evidence that, I mean, maybe every house on that stretch, people were swimming and losing rings probably over the last, you know, 200 years. So, yeah, I'll have a whole a whole uh show on on water detecting. Um so I just want to thank you for joining me. It has been a lot of fun. Um I guess I like to hear myself talk and I hope that uh I hope that somebody else does too. And this has been one more dig metal detecting stories, and I'm Dave Spannenberg.